0: Hey Cornerstone, how you guys doing? Good morning. morning. Hey, we're in the middle of a teaching series called Bump, and if you've not been around uh, for a couple of weeks, basically what we did is we said, hey, what if we took a break from kind of the series-driven stuff that we've done from a topical standpoint, and what if we said, l- let's take a look at one book of the Bible and kind of unpack that for our, our people here for a little while in the summer. And so that's kind of what we've done. We've basically kind of taken a look at the book of Proverbs and, and said, what, what does the book of Proverbs have to say to us? And if you look at Proverbs, it's basically jam-packed, full of wisdom, and the design of Proverbs is really that it would come alongside our, our lives and kind of nudge us or bump us in the direction that God would have us to go. And so that's kind of where this whole idea of bump came from. And sometimes the Scriptures, as we interact with them, kind of nudge us or bump us real gently Other times, it's not so subtle at all, and and if you're a dad in the room, uh, you're in luck because Proverbs has tons and tons and tons of stuff to say about what uh, biblical fatherhood is designed to look like. So I'll just let you guys know on the front end of our conversation this morning, today is for the guys. Ladies, you're welcome to listen in if you want to, Um, but today is definitely for the guys, and ladies, I would do this for me, would you put the stiletto elbows away, don't, don't if there's a point in the conversation where you're like, oh, you're just want to, you tempted to elbow your husband, don't. Uh, don't give him that look that you do sometimes. Let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. You don't have to do his job for him. So if you, that's kind of where we're going, okay? So you, good. Uh, if you look at Proverbs kind of from a 30,000-foot view, just kind of a big-picture deal, as you open it and you start reading through the very first chapter of the book of Proverbs, you're going to discover really quick that this book is a letter written from a dad to a son. It's basically a dad who's lived life, and he's lived a lot of life, and he's experienced a lot of the rich, sweet, deep moments of life that life can bring. He's experienced a lot of the pain and the hurt and the turmoil and the misses that happen in life as well, sometimes of the disappointments. And he's basically writing this letter to his son saying, Son, if you would just listen to me, if if you would just listen to me and learn from my mistakes, how many times have you looked at your kids and said, if you would just listen to me, please, God. You know, you, you, know, you probably had that moment if you have kids, and if you haven't, you will have that moment, I promise. So if, if you're married and you don't have kids yet, prepare, that moment's coming. If you're not married, choose wisely and be prepared, that moment is coming. Because uh, you will look at your kid and say, I cannot believe they just did that. Um, if they had just listened to me. Now, now as parents, a lot of times what we'll do in order to teach our children, if you've ever attempted to teach your children something, what we'll do a lot of times early on to teach them things like responsibility and, and uh, uh, you know, ownership and things like that, we'll do things like give them chores. And we'll do things like buy puppies and uh, give them a puppy, right? And their chore is to feed the puppy, water the puppy, pick up the poop after the puppy, all that kind of stuff like that. And, and very quickly, we discovered that didn't work, and whose puppy is it now, right? It's mom's puppy, because dad's not going to do it either, because he's at work. And so it's, it's always mom's puppy now. She's picking up the slack, by the way. That's a, a four-cursor little to what we're going to get into today, if you look at it. The deal is this. I don't know what chores you give um, your kids. Uh, you know, sweep the garage, mow the yard, rake the rocks, you know, I, I don't know if they got to clean up their room, if they got to help do dishes. I don't know what kind of chores that you give your kids to do to learn responsibility. One of the chores that I had growing up had a lot to do with this splitting mall right here. Um, I had my job in the summertime at my house was to split wood. That, that was my chore growing up. And, and, and this is going to paint my family to be a redneck family. I promise that we're not... We grew up in. I grew up in Northern Virginia, by D.C. It just it was just going to sound weird. We would. We had four seasons in Northern Virginia. We had trees and grass, and I know that's weird for everybody in Arizona. But it, it got hot, and then it got cold, and so we had snow all in the same place. We'd have to drive to the mountains to see it. And so we'd have four seasons, and and the basic deal was this. In the summertime, we went to the woods, we cut down trees, we chopped them up, we came back, split the wood, and we really used that wood to heat our homes in the wintertime in in a wood stove. And so my job as a kid was to split the wood. Now imagine me, all 60 pounds of me in elementary school with one of these bad boys in my hand. If you have a son, at what point did it ever cross your mind to put one of these in their hand? What would your elementary school boy do with this? I mean, every, every cartoon that I'd ever seen with a battle scene and an axe in it was like coming through my mind. Every Star Wars movie that I had ever seen growing up was like racing through my head. I mean, you get one of these in an elementary school boy's hands and he's chasing his little brother around with it. I never did that. Um, They're chopping down every tree in the yard. They're cutting the irrigation. Anything that they can cut and hit with this thing. I mean, that's what boys do, right? Boys blow things up and hit stuff and break things. It's part of being a boy. It's in their DNA. It's an okay thing to do. It's a good thing. But when it came my turn, my dad had to offer me... um, a considerable amount of coaching when it came to, to using this thing the right way. For a long time, it was kind of the slave labor phase for, for this. And that's what I kind of call it. It was the phase where dad kind of did all the splitting and the cutting, and my brother and I were slave labor. We had to pick all the wood up and carry it and stack it and watch dad split the wood. And so finally it came my turn to split the wood. And so he puts the splitting them all in my hands. He gets behind me, shows me how to hold it. You know, I'm 60 pounds, okay? And so my job is to bring this thing above my head like this, not fall backwards while I did it. Because, you know, I actually did that a couple times. And then come down with all of my 60-pound might and hit, make contact and hit that top of that wood and split the wood without chopping off my feet all at the same time. It sounds a lot easier than it is when you're you know, like eight years old and ten years old. It just, you know, now no big deal. But for a kid, it's kind of tough. And the win was this. If I did it right, we'd have heat in the wintertime and I'd keep on my limbs. If I did it right and I accepted the coaching of my dad. Guys, it's not really that far off of what the book of Proverbs is. you got this dad who's saying, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. I know you think you know how to live life the right way, but stop. Stop. Let me show you how to hold that. Let me show you how to raise that above your head. Let me show you how to bring that down so you don't chop your feet off, you know? Because, son, if you do this life really well, if you listen to me, if you listen to me, and by the way, over 20 times in the book of Proverbs, you see that phrase, son, listen to me. Listen to me, listen to me. Over 20 times. Son, if you listen to me, this life could be really, really good, and you'll keep all your limbs. It's a win-win. Here's the deal. As we go through and you start unpacking the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs has a ton of stuff to say about fatherhood, and it defines fatherhood with a couple of key words you see over and over again. You see the word discipline. Every kid in the room just checked out. You hear the word teach. You hear the word correct. Correct. That's how it defines fatherhood. It's how the whole book defines it over and over again. It basically, essentially, is calling you and I, dad, a coach. Our job, our biblical job in the book, according to the book of Proverbs, is to coach our children. And if you've ever coached kids before, um, I'm not talking about like kindergarten soccer when it's just like you know 22 kids around the ball going like this. But if you've ever coached before, you know that um, defining a win it, it can be pretty easy in a sporting setting. I mean, you know whether you're winning or losing by the scoreboard. You know what your record is with the win-loss column. You know how player development is going and team chemistry is going. It's kind of easy to to define a win in sports. Now, when you start applying that coaching analogy like Proverbs does to fatherhood, all of a sudden it gets really muddy if we're honest with ourselves. I mean, how do you define a win as a dad? Is it when they get good grades? Is that a win? Is it is it when they finally get out of the house? Is that when you win and you celebrate? Some of you guys you've set your sights really low and that's that's kind of where you're at right now. You cannot wait for your kids to get out of the house and you know do your little happy dance and all that stuff. You know how do you define a win as a dad? It's really tough to do sometimes. I mean, for us, a lot of times we end up disciplining and we end up coaching and correcting more out of our own emotion and out of our own frustration of the moment than what's actually good for the child, right? And what's actually going to push the child in the right direction. And and so how do you define that? I mean, do do you discipline all your children the same way or do you treat them uniquely? I mean, do you treat your daughters and your sons? I mean, it gets really muddy when you start talking about defining a win as a dad. Well, I think the Scripture's do a decent job of defining that for us. So if you you open up your Bible to the book of Proverbs, it's right in the middle of your Bible. You'll probably hit Psalms first. You want to turn to your right a little bit, you'll hit the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 22, it's a real popular verse. You may be familiar with it if you've been around church world for a while. It's a real popular verse when it comes to parenting, one of the most popular verses in the book of Proverbs. But I think it does a pretty decent job of defining what a win looks like for you and I as dad. So let's check this out together. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. It um, says this. says, teach your children to choose the right path, and when they're older, they'll remain upon it. Teach your children to choose the right path, and when they're older, they'll remain upon it. Real quick, before we start unpacking that for a second, I think it's really important to kind of draw parentheses and, and just help, help us understand something. This is not a promise from God. This is not a promise to be claimed. This is not a if-then statement. This, this is, if you remember, wisdom literature. Proverbs is wisdom literature. In other words, this is mostly true most of the time. If you follow these guidelines, they'll bump you and nudge you in the right direction in life. Guys, if you read this, it doesn't say, if you teach your children to do the right thing, they will always do it. They won't. Because you have children. And they don't. It is in their job description to be stupid. It is. It is in their job description to make mistakes. You know it's true because some of you guys have done a great job parenting your kids, and they still dumb dumb things. You know it's true because some of your parents did a good job, and you still did dumb things. This is not a promise. This is a principle. If you teach your children to choose the right path, they'll remain upon it. Guys, here's the deal. You want to define a win as a dad is this. Figure out what God's dream is for your kid. Figure out the right path for your kids where God wants them to go and coach your children to go there. Now, see, what I know is true about all of us as parents is we've all had dreams for our kids, right? I mean, for some of us, it happened before the kid ever came. You know, she's pregnant, and she's getting the nursery already and painting it, and she's hoping it's a boy or hoping it's a girl or whatever, and then she kind of finds out, and you start going to the store and buying all the clothes, and she's oh! You know, little frilly stuff, and she's thinking about... I mean, some moms, they, like, dress their kids three and four times a day just so they can use all the clothes, right? And so I know that you've had dreams for your kids. I know you have. And then you get them home, and they start, like, waking up in the middle of the night and having poopy diapers, and all those dreams somehow just kind of disappear into the distant past, and you're just trying to exist. And it's interesting that parenthood, for many of us, turns into this just existence thing, right? And for fatherhood, for most of us, turns into this weird rut of just kind of the same mealy mouth mushed life all the time, and it's just kind of like, this doesn't feel right. And the deal is this, I think those dreams that we've had for our kids… You know, we dream about what kind of person they're going to marry, what kind of house they're going to live in, what kind of career that they're going to have, what college they're going to get into, what their friends are going to be like, how they're going to do at sports, all those kind of things like that, that they're going to maybe live a better life than we lived and be more prosperous than we were. Or maybe you're like the Proverbs father here, that all you want is your kid to, 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 to not make the same mistakes that you made. Whatever dreams you have for your kid, I'm going to ask you to shelve those for a moment. Because I think where you and I, dads, get in trouble is we put the wrong vision in front of our children. I think that when, we, when we put the wrong thing in front of them, we set them on the wrong trajectory for life, and we coach them towards the wrong thing. And we may be coaching them towards a loss instead of a win. You see, as I read the Scriptures, and I walk through the, the, the book of Proverbs, and I kind of wade through... I, I don't see anywhere where God cares that much about whether my daughters and my son grow up to be doctors or lawyers or garbage men. I don't see anywhere in the scriptures where God cares all that much about whether my son and whether my daughters grow up to live in the suburbs or live in the inner city. I don't see anywhere in Scripture where it says that God cares all that much about how my children grow up and and whether they live a more prosperous life than I did or whether they have a sweet ride or take public transportation or whether they go to college. Frankly, I don't think God cares about that stuff all that much. I'm not saying those are bad things. They can be great things. They can be good things. What I'm saying is I think... Many of us as fathers are guilty of coaching our children towards the wrong destination. We've been coaching and coaching and pushing in front of them things that maybe God never intended for them at all. See, as I read the scriptures, I think the things that keep God up at night, the things that God's really concerned about, about my daughters and my son, is that my children and your children grow up to love God and love his word and look at him like him. I, I think what God cares about is that my children grow up to live an others-oriented life, that they lay down their life for other people. I think what God cares about is that my daughters grow up and have a great self-esteem and, and, they, and that they don't, they don't feel this need subconsciously or consciously to dress in an inappropriate, provocative manner to get the attention of some guy because they already understand they have the attention of their heavenly father and that's good enough for them. That my son would grow up and he wouldn't be the kid that hits the porn sites and downloads porn. That he wouldn't be the kid that grows up and doesn't understand how to treat a woman properly. But he's a gentleman and he serves her and he takes care of her the way a man should take care of a woman. Those are the kind of... And we could come up with a grocery list, guys. What I'm saying is, I think that men... As fathers, sometimes we're guilty of coaching our children towards a wrong trajectory, and that's on us, guys. And as you and I coach, because we coach, as you and I coach our children, you and I are going to be tempted to do one of two things. You and I are going to be tempted to either be, A, on one hand, be too overbearing, too over-involved, too pushy, or we're going to be... Tempted to do, be too underinvolved and too withdrawn and shrink away from our God-given responsibility to lead our wives and our children. That is the temptation of fatherhood. That is the temptation that every man in this, in this room wrestles and struggles with day in and day out, myself included. And I've seen a lot of dads do this in a lot of different ways. In the role that I'm in, I get to walk alongside dads and families oftentimes. And I've seen some dads just do a super job. And i like, oh, that's, that's the kind of man I want to be like. I want my daughters to live like that. I want my sons to live like that. I want my wife to have that kind of countenance about her. And I've seen other dads not do so. So we're going to unpack just a couple of examples real quick. And I'm going to lump some of them in. I'm going to run some things down for you guys and give you some ideas about different kinds of, of dads that I've seen. And, and the truth is you've probably seen these kind of dads too. Number one, there's some dads, they don't know what a dad is. They just know the dad's not a mom. And so whatever a mom is, they're going to be the opposite of it. You get it? I mean, it's, mom's the one who tucks them in at night. Mom's the one who says, I love you. Mom's the one who picks them up off the ground when they skin their knee. Mom's the one who's, who's compassionate and sympathetic and endearing and loving. And so dad doesn't really understand what a man is. Dad doesn't really understand what a father is. He just knows he's not a mom. So whatever mom does, I'm going to do the opposite. And so, so dad disengages relationally with his household. And if you had a dad like this, you are unpacking these issues in your life well into adulthood. I promise you. If you had a dad like this, you went from relationship to relationship to relationship. And you know what the core issue and question of your heart was, or maybe still is? Am I lovable? Does someone love me? And it all goes back to dad. Never saying it, never expressing it, never doing it. Cause he thinks a man, a man's macho, man's burp, man's man, men, they, they hit hard and they yell loud, and that's a man, right? That's not a man. That's a teenage boy stuck in a high school locker room, stuck in adolescence. I guarantee you, there is not a woman in the room saying, God, please send me that. It's it's come on, it's true, right? There's no woman in the room who's saying, oh, I hope my husband's like that. I hope he parents my children that way, you know. Some dads, some dads, they're the dad who they're like, they're very successful. They're very well put together. They have a great ride. They have a great house. They've got a great job and career. They've got a wonderful title, and they make a beautiful salary, and they want everybody to know, and they're really, really proud about their stuff in fact, they find a lot of their significance in their stuff and in their job. And, and, and what, you know what happens with a lot of dads like this is they, they, end up, they end up treating a lot of stuff like possessions. In fact, they even go so far as to treat their wife and their children like possessions. their ornaments and furniture in their life to make dad look better. Shut up, look pretty, make me look good. We're going to this business function, honey. I just want you to wear that cute little black dress that accentuates these features on you because I want to show you off. Guys, that is not for anybody but you. It's not. He gave her to you. Not for every other man's wandering eyes. And this guy, this dad, he's so insecure. He needs a title. And he needs stuff to make him feel good about himself. And his wife and his children are sick and tired of being treated like possessions some some dads some dads even these are the scary dads these dads they're the ones who are pushy and they're loud and they yell at their children and they yell at their wives and they hate their life and they hate the world they're domineering they they read that scripture it talks about the husband being the head of the home and they, they, what they think, what they think that means they're the king of their domain. This is my house. You'll do it the way I want it done because it's my house. You ever heard that before? As long as you live in my house, that man does not understand the Scriptures. That father does not understand what it means to submit to the person of Jesus Christ. Are you this guy? Are you domineering? Do you give your wife that look sometimes? Do you yell at her? Do you intimidate your wife? Are your children scared of you? You push them around? What kind of man intimidates a woman and scares little children? Boys do that, not men jerks do that. Scared men that beneath all the facade of the big, bad, raging bull that beneath all of it, he's scared and he's insecure. And he's got a father wound somewhere and he doesn't understand what it means to know and submit to the person of Jesus Christ. He doesn't. And all these dads we're talking about here, you can go down the grocery list, these dads are all overbearing. These are the kind of dads that The kid comes home and has straight A's and one B, and what does dad's eyes automatically go to? The B. This is the kind of dad where the sons and the daughters of of dads like this, they feel like they can never measure up. They feel like they're always on display, always under pressure. They want desperately the approval of their father, and they don't get it. And you know what happens to children like this, of fathers like this? Their hearts turn towards resentment, their hearts turn towards bitterness, their hearts turn towards anger, and ultimately rebellion. And dad, if this is the kind of dad you are, you will wreck the children children in your home. You'll wreck them. I promise to God you will ruin their lives, apart from Jesus Christ stepping in and doing something miraculous inside of them. Because your job as a dad is to understand what God's vision for your child is, and coach them and nudge them towards that. And you cannot do that if you're a jerk. You can't. There's other kinds of dads. There's another kind of dad, he's, he's less engaged than that. In fact, he shrinks back from his God-given role to lead and shepherd his family. What he does is this. He's the kind of dad, he's there, but he's not really. Do you know what I mean? It, it, you look at the dad and he's like, you know, hey, I was always there. And you're like, dad, you were never there. He's like, what do you mean? I, I, I put food on the table. I, I put a roof over your head. I put clothes on your back. I paid for you to go to college. I took you to church. I, you know, I did all of these things. I came home every single night. I wasn't out gallivanting around with a bunch of women. I was home what do you mean i wasn't there what do you mean i was a bad dad so, dad you were there but you were in a comatose state this guy you know what this guy's problem is he's a coward he's afraid to engage with his wife and his children and you know what he does he hides he comes home from work and he goes in the backyard and he does landscape and yard work he goes to the garage and sticks his head underneath the hood of a car He comes home and he sticks his nose in a newspaper or in front of an iPhone or in front of a a laptop or, or he gets in front of the television and zones out. He does anything he can do not to engage with his children because he doesn't know how. And he's scared and he's a coward and he thinks it might be hard and take work. And guess what? It will. And instead of rising to the occasion, he shrinks back. You know this kind of dad? He's there, but he's not. There's another kind of dad, too. This is the dad, he's, he's a ton of fun, in fact, he's really winsome, he's witty, he, he's great to be around. Um. You, this is the kind of dad you go to the birthday parties, and you've been to some of these birthday parties where you know you do the deal, and the kids go, and they're all at the park and they're playing. And what do the dads do? The dads kind of all go around over here in this corner, and they're talking man, macho, dirt, eat food, stuff, right? Golf, fish, all that stuff like that. They're doing that deal over here, and all the ladies are over here going, eh, my husband, nah, nah, nah. and they're that thing, right? And, and over here, all the kids are playing in the park doing the birthday party. And of course, the mom of the birthday girl or the birthday boy, she's doing all the work, right? And except, except there's one dad who's the really cool dad, right? You, and Inevitably, every birthday party you go to, you'll see it. Next birthday party you go to with your kids, watch. There's going to be one cool dad. He's going to be over here playing and mixing it up with all the kids. And the kids are going to be wrestling with them and playing with them. It's going to be so much fun. And all the women over here are going, I wish my husband was like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you get that, that whole thing going on, right? And all the guys over here are saying, what a stupid idiot. Stop. <laughs> and this guy's, problem, this guy's problem is this. This guy's problem is that he, works, he works a lot. He works a lot, and, and he's a ton of fun, and he's funny, and he's witty, but he works a lot. And when he comes home, he basically says to his wife, says, Baby, look, I, I love you. I love the kids. I work really hard all day long. In fact, I come home, and I'm, I'm pretty tired. I've been making decisions all day long. I've been dealing with employees all day long. I don't want to come home and have to make decisions. I don't want to come home and have to deal with more conflict. That's all I've been doing. W- baby, would you please discipline the children? I don't want to be the bad guy. I want my kids to like me. Because I'm so insecure, I have to have a five-year-old approve of me. It's kind of funny. When it's not your husband. And the kids love him, but they don't respect him. And she was deeply enamored by this man. She fell deeply in love with him because he was so much fun to be around. And now she's stuck raising her kids and him. And, and all she wants, all she wants is for him to grow up and take responsibility. And you guys get what he has done, what this dad has done. He's taken his God-given right as the leader of the home, and he's basically given it to her. And you know what? She gets bitter, and she gets angry, and she can't stand the guy anymore would start off fun and beautiful, and they start looking at each other saying, why well, come we don't have much fun anymore? It's because you are shrinking back from your God-given responsibility to be a man and lead the home and be a father. Do this. You're, you're at Proverbs chapter 22. Turn left in your Bible just a little bit. Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13. Uh... Verse 24, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24, says this. It says, if you refuse to discipline your children, it proves you don't love them. If you love your children, you'll be prompt to discipline them. Now, guys, look. If you refuse to engage with your family, if you refuse to coach your children, your wife, and your children, particularly your children, the rest of their lives will be left wondering, did my dad really love me? And I promise, I promise, I promise, if you do not engage, if you're too scared to get in the game, your children will be wrecked because of your fear and your inability to live in the tension of those two issues. God's Proverbs call on your life and mine as a father when it comes to coaching and disciplining and teaching and training our children. It means doing it at the right time. It means doing it in the right way. It means you and I clearly understanding what God's dreams for our children are, not ours. And it means you and I being man enough to nudge them and discipline them and bump them and correct them towards God's dream for their life, not ours. That's what it means. And you and I, I, man, I'm telling you, I'm in this with you guys. You and I, our temptation every single day is going to be to be too overbearing, too over-involved, or to shrink back and not engage. And I'm telling you, as I read the Scriptures, and I promise as you will too, you and I do not have the luxury to do either. We don't it takes a godly man to live in the tension of those two things. I'm telling you guys, any wuss, any old sissy can shrink back and do one of those two things. Any of us can. And you you look at the room, there are single moms in this room. They're they're, they're trying to cut it as as they're doing both roles. There are wives in this room who are acting like single moms. Because men, Christian men, guys, Christian men who claim to know and follow Jesus Christ are acting like sissies, and instead of manning up and living in the tension between this and this, they shrink back and give over their responsibility, or they revert to being too overbearing. And guys, listen, you're not always going to get this right, all right? You're not. I'm not always going to get this right. You know, talk to my wife, dude. She's got stories, all right? Your wife does too, okay? So just, just be honest. Our wives have stories. We're not always going to get this right. And my dad, if you look back to my dad, there's some things my dad did really, really well. There's some things my dad really failed miserably at. And if my dad kind of landed on one or the other side of this fence that we're talking about here, my dad probably landed more on the overbearing side. And there there were moments that my dad blew it royally. I mean, seasons where my dad blew it pretty bad. And if you've never experienced failure as a father... The one of two things, A, you don't care. You've already checked out, and you've given over responsibility to your wife. She's mad at you already, and you just don't know it. Or, or you just haven't fathered long enough, because I guarantee you there will come a time in your fatherhood where you're going to blow it. And if you're a godly man, you'll be overcome with shame and humility And with tears in your eyes, gentlemen, you will go to your wife and apologize to her. With tears in your eyes, you will go to your children and beg their forgiveness. And if you're a godly man, you'll fall to your knees and you'll repent to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. With my dad's failures came also some really big wins. My dad did some things really, really well that I hope, honestly, that I can do with my own children My dad proved his love for me. I never had to worry about whether dad loved me or not. I mean, seriously, it was never a question in my heart. My dad didn't just say he loved me and then check out and go play golf. My dad proved it with his presence. He was at every soccer game, every wrestling match. I mean, even if we were traveling, dad would leave home 4 o'clock in the morning to commute to D.C. to get in early. He'd talk to the Joint Chiefs and say, guys, I'm gone. My son's got a wrestling match. I'll see you later. And he'd leave. I always knew that I was important to my dad. I always knew that. There was never, ever a question in my heart. My dad always made time for my brother and I. I mean, I remember going fishing with my dad, not just like once or twice, like a couple of highlight moments in childhood, but I mean all the time going fishing with my dad and just being around the guy. Yes, you, know, you understand, gentlemen, the, one of the biggest gifts and greatest gifts you can give your children is your availability and your presence. If for some reason you can't figure out how to be available to your children, quit your job and get a new one. Put your golf clubs away. Put down your Xbox or your computer or whatever it is. It may mean you may not have as much time for you. Who cares? I never had to worry about whether my dad was available to me, ever, ever. I always knew my dad was proud of me. My dad's not a real tearful-oriented guy. There's one thing that my dad would always well up with tears about, and that was his boys. Whenever he started talking about his boys, he'd get tears in his eyes. And if you're a dad, you get this. If you're a good dad, you get this. I mean, Lincoln, my youngest, he's a year old. All he does is poop. <laughs> That's it. He hasn't done anything to be proud of at this point of his life. And I'm telling you, when I, when I talk about my son and I think about my son, my heart gets full. And I get tears in my eyes because I love that little boy. I'm so daggone proud of him, although he hasn't done anything at all. I'm proud of him because he belongs to me and he's my son. And God's given me an opportunity to to try to discover what God's plan is for his life and then coach him towards that. My dad was always proud of me. And I'm sorry if you never got that from your dad. When I got married, I realized I brought some destructive habits into our marriage, and destructive patterns. My wife and I, I remember sitting across the dining room table in my father's home, on vacation 13 years ago and sitting across the dining room table and looking at my dad and I said, Dad, um, Lisa and I have got some problems and I think a lot of it goes back to our home and I think a lot of it goes back to you, Dad. My dad, with tears in his eyes, begged forgiveness from my wife and from me. You guys get what a gift it is to have a man as a father You guys get what a gift it is to hear a father with tears in his eyes apologize to his son? How freeing that is and how empowering that is. When things got rough in their marriage, and by the way, anybody who tells you marriage is not hard is stupid. Or lying. Or Pollyanna. They just are. I mean, so those of you who are still single, choose wisely. Okay? Just telling you. Choose wisely. When, when things got tough in my mom and dad's marriage, he didn't wuss out and check out. He dug his feet in, and they went to work, and they got it right. And as weird as it felt at the time in high school, as, as a 16-year-old, I gotta be honest, it's kind of felt a little awkward. My dad bought this book called The Pursuit of Holiness, and he said, okay, son, and my brother we said, we're going to get together, and every week we're going to read a chapter together, and we're going to do a Bible study, and we're going to memorize a verse. And i got to be honest, it felt a little funky at the moment, but I think back on those are some of the best memories I have of my dad. Because my dad cared about my spiritual development just as well as everything else, man. I'm not saying my dad was perfect. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm telling you the stories my wife could tell. But I'm telling you I want to be like my dad. Because my dad wants to be like Jesus. My dad took his hopes and dreams for his boys, and he shelved them. And he went to work to figure out what God wanted his boys to be like when they grew up. And he went to work coaching and disciplining and training and teaching his boys to go there. And guys, I'm telling you, that's what godly men do. is it hard guys I'll be honest with you I think you got the hardest job in the family because everybody in the family your wife and your children take their cues from you they do you set the temperature of that home the moment you walk in or walk out of it every single day you are the trendsetter for that family And so, no, it's not easy. It's a huge responsibility, but that's exactly what it is. It's a responsibility. And godly men, I'm telling you guys, boys, boys don't rise to the occasion. Wusses, they don't rise to the occasion. Godly men, they rise to the occasion, and they accept the responsibility of living in the tension between disengaging and running and being too overbearing. That's what godly men do, and that's what you do. Let's pray. God, the truth of the matter is, is this is not easy stuff at all. And God, I'm just gonna ask, would you you this morning, would you affirm where affirmation needs to happen? There's some dads in this room that are doing this really, really well. God, would you convict where conviction needs to happen? Because the truth is, Father, even the best of us have areas to repent from. And Father, would we be the kind of dads that our wives and our children deserve? Would we be godly men who are willing to live in the tension that we'd have all kinds of wins to celebrate with our children because they look and behave and act like you? And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.